here's a message from Ken Lavica. <laughs> Excuse me, I just choked on my water, sort of like the 49ers in the Chiefs. Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Programs. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Oh, God. Now, what was that yesterday? That was as crazy as these playoffs have been. Maybe the most unexpected thing imaginable is the Chiefs going full gack job and then the solid, strong, consistent 49ers choking as well. What is happening in this postseason? Ken Levick alive Monday here on ESPN 106.3, and that means Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. He, one of the faces of the best damn local TV sports reporting that you're going to find in the state of Florida. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Theo, what what was that yesterday? What was that? I, I can't even muster up the words. I know we're paid to talk. We're paid to come up with these these ways to eloquently put what we just saw. I have I don't no get it. clue. I don't get it. The NFL is delivering this year, though. It's weird, but they're delivering. There's a reason it's a billion-dollar industry, which, again, makes it ridiculous that we rely on old men with chains to determine where the ball is Uh. on the field. (laughs) Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights, running things until 2 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3. We come to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off of the still frigid, and please get warmer already, intracoastal. All right, uh, choking. There are a lot of different definitions that go into the term choking. There's literal choking where something's in your throat, you can't breathe, you need assistance, whether it be liquid, food. In the sports realm, it's a little bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. There are more layers to it. And we, we did see different elements of choke yesterday. Now, what the Chiefs did is they got cute. At the end of the first half. And that gave the Bengals momentum. So in a way, there was a choke involved there because they had a 21-3 lead at one point. They saw it completely dissipate and they lose at home in the AFC Championship game. Mm. By definition, you're up 21-3 and you lose a game. There's an element of choke to that. Then there's the 49ers. They were up 17-7 in the fourth quarter. Much less margin that they had an advantage over the Chiefs and how they led over the Bengals, but they still let a lead get away from them on the road. But I think that that was a choke as well. But there's different ways in which this formulated. The Chiefs losing their lead to the Bengals and the 49ers losing their lead uh, to, uh, to the Rams. I want to start with the Chiefs here, okay? Because what we saw with the Chiefs was, uh, how would you best describe the first, oh, I don't know, 29 minutes and 30 seconds of football in that AFC title game yesterday? It was exactly scripted out how you would expect something like this to go. A up-and-coming, ahead-of-schedule Bengals team being at Arrowhead Stadium against the mammoth that is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Patrick Mahomes executing 
uh, scoring touchdowns left and right. They were getting cute in the first. Like, even those couple of, you know, they were like Magic Mahomes plays. Like, mm-hmm. the tweets that were being oh, fired out yeah. is like, oh, he's back. It's, yeah. it's over. Well, his touchdown throw uh, to, to Travis Kelsey, where he's almost sacked not one, not two, but three times, right. and then just calmly rolls out to his ride and throws with touch to Travis Kelsey. That was Patrick Mahomes. That that right there, I was like, that's game. Yeah. that That's completely it. But then the Bengals... Score a touchdown late, but it only takes Patrick Mahomes 55 seconds then to march the length of the field again, and they decide, instead of kicking a field goal at the end of the half, to run a play, and they throw it to the left flat, and Tyreek Hill is tackled by uh, is tackled by Eli Apple. And of all people. Of Eli all Apple. people. <laughs> uh, Twitter's, Twitter's most available punching bag yeah. during the course of the season, and everything changed after that. Now, Stone... I think, because there's not one tragic offensive Kansas City play that I can remember in the second half. I think, and I'm going to pick your former high school football legend slash Division I quarterback brain here, but what happened is the Bengals' defense finally figured it out. They did something that the Bills couldn't do, the number one pass defense in the NFL, and they found a way to pressure Mahomes Mahomes made some boneheaded plays like taking a sack at the end of regulation, nearly fumbling the game away. But ultimately, the Bengals executed better than the Chiefs did in the second half and found a way because the Bengals are good. Did the Chiefs choke? Yes, because it was 21-3. But did the Bengals have a majority reason to do with the Chiefs choking? Yes, because they simply adjusted. Yeah, I think you saw a lot of man coverage in the first half. And then they came out in the second half and dropped seven in the coverage, and we're like, if you're going to beat us, it's either going to have to be on the ground, or, or you're going to have to do it with your legs. So a, a lot of zone coverage, and they closed off a lot of the stuff we saw earlier in the game. So, yeah, they rose to the occasion. They made the correct adjustments. It was that simple. And case in point, just the Bengals made plays, Theo. I, I mean, not only did they shut down Patrick Mahomes, who was held to, 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 to three points in the second half, but Joe Burrow made some amazing plays with his legs. That's yeah. not Joe Burrow's game. They hung tough. They stayed alive. I think the Bengals, you give them as much credit as you do a Chiefs choke for how the second half played out. You have to because they did, like you say, make plays. Uh, Chris Jones, I don't care how elusive we want to say Joe Burrow is now. Which is not. He's not that elusive. He's not that shifty. He's no. not Lamar Jackson. He's no. not Kyler Murray, no. Russell Wilson. He's We're not, not talking that guy. Joe Vick here. Yeah, yeah, like let's relax. So Chris Jones, you, you can't be an all-pro uh, pass rusher and not make that play. He had two chances to make that play on Joe Burrow. You have to get him down right there. Uh, T. Higgins made so many plays in the second half, catching balls over the middle, that slant route that he caught for the first Yeah, he down. was good. T. Higgins is good, and he's like, what? He, I thought he he looked like 6'7". Either the Chiefs corners are like all 5'5", five, five, or he's a 7-footer at receiver, but doesn't yeah. he look huge out there? He does look huge out there, but it's not like there were explosive pass plays. Joe yeah. Burrow played within himself. Joe Burrow was not spectacular yesterday, and he's getting all the attention today, but he wasn't spectacular. The Bengals' defense cinched it up, something the Bills could not do. Joe Burrow played like Joe Burrow, which is consistent and good. And calm. And And calm, right. Even after throwing an interception, he was fine after that. He calmed down, and he helped. It was the running game that really started establishing things for Cincinnati. So the Bengals win in overtime, even after losing the toss to Patrick Mahomes, but you could see it coming. An interception was coming. Yeah. Should have been 
the two plays before, but then ultimately the Bengals end up getting the interception, Joe Burrow, uh, and really the running game, Joe Mixon and company, end up marching them into field goal right. territory. McPherson hits the field goal, game over. After the game, Andy Reid, oh, uh, we don't have the Andy Reid? Okay. Andy Reid was was discussing the uh, the the loss, as was Patrick Mahomes, and they were saying, hey, our standard is the Super Bowl. We could have absolutely done things better. They were beating themselves up over this uh, and that loss yesterday, as they should. But it never really truly occurred to me that this was an all-world choke that was happening. And you juxtapose that against the NFC Championship game, where even though it was only a 10-point game at its maximum differential, the way the 49ers were brutalizing just brutalizing the Rams physically for three and a half quarters. I mean, beating them into the ground. The defense could get no push on Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo's just standing in the pocket, making throws when he needs to. Debo Samuel is is legitimately just lowering his shoulder into tacklers. The 49ers established the physical aspect of that game, and I thought they were just going to roll to a win. But then they just got scared, and they got tight. And they got really conservative. And it was bizarre. And then they let the Rams back into the game. And you have dropped interceptions. You have Sean McVay, who I don't know what he was thinking yesterday. That's some of the worst game management I've ever seen in that big a game. With 10 minutes left, there were no more timeouts for the Rams. Because of two <laughs> horrific, I mean horrific challenge calls. One of them uh, right before a fourth down at midfield that the 49ers were going to have, where they ended up just taking a delay a game and punting anyways. Yeah. That was really, really weird. And after all of that, Sean McVay is going to go to the Super Bowl and coach in that game because the 49ers let the Rams off the hook. I understand that Jimmy G is bad. I understand that people like Stephen A. Smith are going to put the blame on Jimmy Garoppolo. In fact, let's listen to Stephen A. Smith from First Take this morning just killing Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday. Most of this loss is on Jimmy G. Then let me explain why. I'm not trying to say, listen, I could point out that they had to stop running the football because they weren't running the football effectively. And, and when it mattered most, Kyle Shanahan gave that brother the ball and he went one for six for like minus eight yards. I can bring up the fact that I can bring up the fact that that followed up a week where you were extremely pedestrian and your special teams had to come to the rescue at Lambeau Field because you damn sure didn't do much. Couldn't generate a touchdown. Yeah, that's fine. And it's easy. It's easy target practice to go after Jimmy G, right? But it doesn't change the fact the offensive line melted down. Jimmy Garoppolo had nine dropbacks in the fourth quarter, and there was pressure in his face on six of them. The interception he threw to end the game, what's he supposed to do there? I mean, it's, it's, it's third and forever. He's trying to make a play, and he's running backwards to his five. There's nowhere to go. He flung it and prayed. Is it a bad mistake? Sure. But again, I don't know what he's supposed to do there. You let Sean McVay off the hook for terrible game management. You physically dominated, and then you let your foot off the gas. You played scared. That's not all on Jimmy Garoppolo. You dropped an interception that would have given you the mm. ball in a tie game that eventually led to uh, the Rams taking the lead. I don't... I, I look at that. That was more egregious, the way that game was trending, than the Bengals simply making halftime adjustments and slow bleeding the Chiefs to death. I, I think the difference between the two games is one of the sides had Patrick Mahomes, the other side knew they had Jimmy Garoppolo coming into the game. And you're right, the 49ers all year have been winning in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. 
the defense, the special teams, and even the offensive playmakers have been doing things that cover up what Jimmy Garoppolo is, and which mm-hmm. is like a below-average quarterback who makes huge mistakes mm-hmm. and never really gives you anything special uh, that pops off the screen. So for me, I think still I would say the Chiefs is a bigger choke job, but for the 49ers, for you to not have trust in your quarterback in big moments, and it even showed in that game at Lambeau when they ran it on third and seven to Debo Samuel instead of putting the ball in the hands of your quarterback. It's going to be hard for you to consistently contend if you can't trust your quarterback in big moments. And I think Kyle Shanahan knows he can't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. So really, what the hell is going on with Trey Lance? You traded up for this guy in the draft and you couldn't even play him when it mattered. And now you have to rely on Jimmy G. Like, something is going to shake this offseason for the 49ers and – I would hope it is that they get well, Trey Lance Jimmy, ready to play football. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get traded. That was it. Like we we won't but see. So him who who wants Jimmy Garoppolo after that? Let's stop playing around. Who would want? Yeah, I mean, I, that, and that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. What are you getting for Jimmy Garoppolo? And he might not be a starting quarterback anywhere. I, he might be someone who you give up a, a fourth and a third for, and he's your backup. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but he he won't play another snap for the 49ers. That's it. But this is the same Jimmy Garoppolo. Who, yes, he's limited, but he also came a play away from playing in his second Super Bowl. So, but in spite of him, though, it, yeah, I feel but like in, sp- it, in spite of him, sure. But it doesn't change the fact they had a seventeen to seven lead, and they went away from everything that does make them successful. They're running fullback runs <laughs> on third and short and getting absolutely stuffed, just completely predictable after that. This is a 49ers offense that, to mask Jimmy Garoppolo's deficiencies, they get creative, yeah. and they send offensive linemen in motion. And uh, they they that's the reason that Shanahan has restored his stock. It's why Mike McDaniels is getting looks as potentially the Dolphins head coach, because they're creative and they're different. And they went away from that, and they allowed the moment to get too big for them. The Rams should not have been in a position to win that game, and they had a red carpet rolled out for them. It's why both teams choked yesterday. But the Bengals, to me, have more to do with the Chiefs' season ending and the Bengals going to the Super Bowl diminishing that word choke with Kansas City more so than what we're going to allow here with the 49ers. The 49ers had that game. They had dictated the tempo. They had dictated the physicality, and then they just stopped doing all of that. Don't you think the Rams also just said, hey, you know what? If we're going to lose this game, we're going to lose it to Jimmy G's arm. Yeah. At a certain point, the Rams' defense was like, okay, we know, especially when you're up by 10, we know Kyle Shanahan does not want Jimmy G throwing the ball. They're like, you're not about to just pound it down our throats for the rest of this game. They they stepped up. It did take them three and a half quarters to finally determine that. Well, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't excuse what they were doing on that sideline in L.A. at all. But all I'm saying is the difference between the KC, the, the KC choke job and the 49ers choke job is one, I feel like, was because they had a deficiency at quarterback. The other one was they had so much trust, uh, trust and faith in what they had. They were so overconfident in that we had Patrick Mahomes and Rub by three scores that, like you said, they got too cute, they got too comfortable, and they let Joe Burrow just slowly bleed them out and come back and then win. What was the bigger choke job yesterday? If indeed we're classifying the Chiefs and the 49ers as chokers yesterday, what was the biggest conference championship choke job? Was it the Chiefs' arrogance, like Theo thinks, or was it the 49ers completely going away from their personality, like I think? If both choked, what was the most significant choke yesterday, the Chiefs 
or the 49ers. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Again, 888-760-3776. You can tweet the show at KLV1063, at KLV1063. What was the most significant choke yesterday? Because again, by definition, 21-3 to and you lose that game, you have choked. But you've got to dive a little bit deeper contextually into that. There's no doubt that that was a slow bleed. That was the Bengals finding a way to get Patrick Mahomes off the field and keep chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. I just I give the Bengals more credit for winning that game than I do the Rams for winning that game. Because, again, the 49ers... Watched Sean McVay blow all of his timeouts with ten and a half minutes left to go in the game. Sean, at one point, Troy Aikman called him out. Yeah, said he's reaching. He is reaching right now. He was, he was in his desperate. coaching. He was absolutely yeah. desperate. At one point, on you remember, uh, deep in a 49ers territory, just a brutal third down call on the throw to the flat. They tried to set up a screen and it was blown up. Uh, and and Sean McVay is apologizing to Matt Stafford on the sideline. I mean, flat out apologizing to him, and you let that off the hook. That game, all you had to do was keep playing 49ers football. Yeah. And they failed to do that. Now, you do make a point with the Chiefs' arrogance, and that's what it was. Like, the Chiefs thought that they were just going to Patrick Mahomes them w- their way yeah. back into a Super Bowl like they were able to do against Buffalo. But like that wasn't the case. they were able to do so many times, like they were able to do in the playoffs against the Texans a couple years ago when they were down, what, 24-zip. Mm-hmm. Like, against the Titans that same the season. The Titans. Like, it, it, I get why they're arrogant. They've gone to four straight. They've hosted four straight AFC championship games since Patrick Mahomes has become the starting quarterback of the Chiefs. They have Andy Reid. They have all of these playmakers. They have a defense that's not great, but they're opportunistic. They make turnovers and make big plays when it's necessary. I get the arrogance, but it's starting to show itself time and time again. And at a certain point, you did make some Rodgers-esque comparisons, but at a certain point, it's like, hey, y'all have to get – you're so full of yourselves, y'all need to execute and win these ball games before we start elevating you to, oh, will he catch Brady at seven? Like, you still just have one in four years. So by definition, 21-3, to three, Chiefs lose. That's, That's a choke. choke. 49ers up 17-7. to seven. They choked. What was the biggest choke? What was the most egregious, the most egregious letting go of the game that the two teams that lost yesterday, which one was more at fault for their own demise? Was it the Chiefs or was it the 49ers? Who had the biggest choke yesterday? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And we could even turn this around. Who was who who had the more impressive comeback? Was it the Bengals? Or was it the the Rams? Because again, like the Bengals just dug in. The Bengals dug in. They reclaimed their identity. They played football. They adjusted defensively. Right. And then Joe Burrow did nothing spectacular, but Joe Burrow played consistent, good football. Yeah. That's what he does. That's the identity of his game. And I I I don't think the Bills or the Bengals rather, they didn't they didn't do anything miraculous. They didn't do anything that completely pulled the rug out from under the Chiefs. They just played their game. They, did they get a break at the end of the first half? Yeah, that was a big break. Yeah, But they were able to capitalize. They were able to capitalize. And I can't sit here and argue for aggression all season and say, hey, you got to take the points when you can get them and then kill Andy Reid for the conversation uh, and for the, the decision 
to the go play for, call was bad, though. The, the, it was the play call. Yeah. The play call was the issue. You're right. Yeah, I, I just don't see how that's what you come to. Like, I like the aggression, like you said, but throw the ball into the end zone. Yeah. That was very Dolphins-esque. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like I said, if the Dolphins would have done that, we would be killing them over that play. That would be the play everybody's talking about forever. Yeah. But the Chiefs did it, so we get, and I get it. They've built up, you know, a reputation, and they do so many smart things in the red zone, but that was stupid. Who had the biggest choke yesterday? Both, by definition, were chokes, but what was the most significant choke yesterday in the conference title games? The Chiefs or the 49ers? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at KLV1063. It's 888-760-3776. Ken Levick Alive is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. No choking here. No gacking away anything here. This is... You get your degree, your FAU MBA sport management program degree, your diploma, you're in good shape. You are going on to a job in sports. This is the path. This is how you run out the clock. This is how you finish off the game by getting your MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. 22 years of doing it. The results speak for themselves. So many students who are working their dream job because they got their MBA in sport business at Florida Atlantic. Dr. Jim Reardon, the man in charge, his professors are all in the sports industry. He has the connections and the know-how to get your foot in the door, and that's really the key. Once your foot into the door, your foot is in the door, it's, it's really easy to blast that thing open and find your role. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA sport. That's fau.edu slash MBA sport. The Chiefs and Niners, they both gave away leads yesterday. They both, by definition, choked. But what was the most egregious? What was the most severe form of choking yesterday? What the Chiefs did or what the 49ers did? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. And we're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. The 49ers had that game won. I know it was just 17 to 7, but they had that one. They had won six straight against the Rams, all by just outmuscling them by being more physical, by being more creative, by out-executing. I don't think anybody on the offensive side of the ball would deem the Rams tough, right? Like Cam Akers? Okay, fine. He's a tough guy. Yeah. But nobody else would say, oh, that's a Whitworth, that's a maybe. super physical offense. Yeah. Maybe Whitworth. Uh, was he even playing, though? Yeah. Whitworth he was played. Playing. Yeah, he was yeah. Playing. I know he's he's going to be the yeah. oldest uh, oldest tackle in the in NFL history to play in a Super like Bowl. 73 right now. <laughs> yeah. He is, he's collecting social security at this point. Uh but the that game, they had the they dictated the tempo. They were absolutely manhandling both offensive line and defensive line the the, the Rams at the line of scrimmage and they stopped and they stopped. They got tight it's, it's like Kyle Shanahan got nervous. They lost their way. They started giving up big plays. But it should have never gotten to that point. Like I, I, Sean McVay, that was in a, in a conference championship game, a close one. I cannot remember a coaching job. From a game management perspective, that was as poor as what Sean McVay did. 
openly apologizing to his quarterback for play calls. Uh, just two boneheaded challenges that there was no way you were going to come out on top with. Uh, and and you lose all your timeouts basically for the entire fourth quarter. That was bad. And you still lost that game. That felt like a choke. Not to mention you filled up an opposing team stadium and had a majority away field advantage. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything Even like that. Even with every player's wife begging for LA Rams fans yeah. to come out. Nothing. <laughs> it Nothing. didn't work. Nothing worked. Nothing. That's why I just I think the 49ers giving that game away, that was the bigger choke than what the Chiefs did against the Bengals, though the the score wasn't as lopsided when things started to go sideways. What was the biggest choke yesterday? If both the Chiefs and 49ers, and we can agree those are both chokes by definition. Yeah. Which one was more significant? Which one was more egregious? Which one, if we're we're using the simplest term that you can in sports, we use the word choke. Which one was more so? The Chiefs or the 49ers yesterday? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And I guess what I keep going back to, Theo, is that it felt like the Bengals earned it. Like they 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 established the running game. They Got Perrine and Mixon going. Yeah. They had Joe Burrow in positions to succeed. He targeted his tight ends. Think about it. Jamar Chase, he he really, like, bits and pieces yesterday. He did not do what he did four weeks ago when the Bengals in Cincinnati beat the Chiefs. He didn't go off. Right. The Chiefs didn't let him go off. They truly were just chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. That was just a grinded-out effort, whereas the 49ers – just sort of everything was working, and then they just stopped. Like They just stopped, and the Rams were able to. They had just enough, just enough to push through and get themselves to the Super Bowl. So 21-3 to as opposed to 17-7, to I think the consensus would be, yeah, the Chiefs, that was a bigger choke. But that's why I just think the 49ers letting that go, that was more surprised to me just based on how the game was going because it happened in a hurry as opposed to, really, that was a journey of the entire second half of the Bengals taking that lead and winning that game. When you factor in the dropped interception... Um, I mean, that was like a punt. Yeah. When you factor that in, that, that was terrible. I was bad. Yeah, it and it's bad. not like I was looking to see, trying to get him an excuse, like, was the sun in his well, eyes? Did, do we have Do we have uh, the Tart audio? No, we don't have that either. All right. Um, uh, we'll, we'll play that at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, Tart and, and his explanation for what happened, and he owned it. I feel bad for that guy because that's as easy an interception as you're going to have. Yeah, as easy an interception as you're going to have, and think about it, it's a tie game at that point. So you have the ball, what probably at the thirty, right? At least that's where they, he, and he dropped it. He I think it was the fifty. Was it the fifty? Yeah. And he would have had space to run some. Like he, it was a punt. Yeah. It was a punt. It was a Matthew Stafford punt. Yeah. So that's that's a whole discussion and stuff. And I know the Rams have like that All Pro punter that keeps getting brought up, but like Matthew Stafford might be their All Pro punter. His, the way his he arm it up. punt. Yeah, I just I found myself more shaking my head over the Rams winning that game than I did the Bengals winning that game. Are we sure the Rams want to win football games? Because Man. like two weeks or was it last week when they played the Bucks and they tried to give Brady a they chance? They tried to give that away. It was 27-3. to Yeah, and then Sean McVay came out this weekend like, okay, I don't want to win. Like, maybe they don't want the pressure of playing in their own home stadium and I, they got forced into it because the 49ers suck. It's just so ragged. I The Rams, they have so much talent. And we know they're going man. for it. We yeah. know they're going for it. And yeah. they, they went for it, and now it's paid off. But, man, it 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 – Seriously, looks like they're their own worst enemy at times. 
Like the Bengals were getting run rough shot in the first half, but then like the Bengals, they, they're very, when they get going, they're fluid, and they have an identity, and they keep pushing. The Rams, you never know on a possession-by-possession possession basis, both offensively and defensively, what you're getting from them. Right. They're so frustrating to watch because you feel like they could roll up 40 points, no problem, and all of a sudden they're up 30, and then that lead gets cut to seven. So you're quick. like, how did that happen? Yeah. They, they get in the way of themselves. And, and the weird Ugh. thing is, like, with the Rams, when they succeed, it feels like we always know who to point to. On the other side, with the Bengals, like, nobody knows who to give credit to. Like, nobody thinks – well, it's weird. Nobody thinks Zach Taylor's a good head coach. Oh, no, he gets no credit. Right, like – I think so, he's kind of – he's okay now. I used to pan that the, guy. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Who do we give credit to? Yeah. Well, we got we got to go Joe Burrow route. That offense. But he's not even, like, super special. He's, like, really good, but it's like his, that what he's doing is – Something, something's shaking. Eventually, we'll figure it out, but that's what's weird to me about the Bengals. Like, with the Rams, we know kind of how they got there. All of the talent, they mm-hmm. leverage the future uh, for the present. And even though they don't want to win games, it seems like they keep winning. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Nobody thinks the head coach is any good. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks the defense is special. I mean, they got Eli the, Apple. Yeah, The thing is, the Tyree defense Hill. is special. At least the guys they acquired this offseason, Eli Apple, Trey Hendrickson, number of additions to that defensive Eli line. Apple is a special. I, but he's performed. Has he's, he performed? Yes. He, he He's so much better than the New Orleans version of Eli Apple. <laughs> he made one tackle. So much better than the Giants version of Eli he Apple. He was getting smoked by Tyreek Hill in the first half, and they moved him to the Giants. forbid. Him and everyone else, right. Like you're, <laughs> oh, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, yeah, Stone's yeah. right. Like, yeah. he, he, who isn't getting worked <laughs> by Tyreek Hill? He, he, he serves a purpose. He fills his role, and he made a big play yesterday. He like, did. That, that, that can't be denied. What was the bigger choke yesterday? The Chiefs or the 49ers? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. This is also an important question, and it's something that's been bothering me. And by the way, Ken Levick alive, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, Friday Night Lights, Stone Labanowitz. Um, Joe Burrow showing up to Kansas City with the fur coat and the, the gaudy, sparkly, jewelry-filled uh, Nike chain and the shades and all of that, uh, is is he cool? Because I think some are trying to make the case he's like cool, cool, like smooth, like natural coolness. But I would argue that people love him right now because he's a plain, awkward, nerdy white guy who's just going for it. Who <laughs> is like, you know what? I know that people don't think I can pull this off, so I'm going to give it a shot anyway. And he's made himself beloved to people through that. Well, he's not awkward, though. But I think he kind of, like, is Joe Bro cool, cool, or awkward, nerdy, cool? 888 Because I think he's awkward, nerdy, cool. You think he's, you don't think he's awkward? Well, here's the thing, like, the, and you know you've kind of made it, especially in the entertainment or sports sphere, when black Twitter gets behind you. And, but that's and what's been confusing. You. Yeah. And that's, but that's why I wanted, because you're our representative yeah. from black Twitter here on Ken Levick alive. I'm the black. Twitter I needed rep. to get your input into this. <laughs> if he's cool, cool or awkward, nerdy, cool. Cause I think he's awkward, nerdy, cool. He's not. So the, the, the main thing that most black folk in general, and we're not a monolith, obviously, but we, we had come to consensus on many uh-huh. things. White folk who are comfortable in their own skin around black folk usually get a thumbs up, a thumbs up. You know what I'm saying? Like in Joe Burrow, whether you may think he's kind of nerdy, uh-huh. he's super cool, confident, and it also helps when you won a nice national title for LSU. Yeah, you get a little. There's a little bit of credit to be given yeah. there. But I'm just wondering, like the 
what we know Joe Burrow as, was he He's this way before he got to Baton Rouge, or did he adapt to that? And it's just LSU sort of carrying his water for him. He, <laughs> he carries that LSU moniker, and everybody knows him as LSU Joe Burrow. Uh, because he was surrounded by a bunch of cool guys, and that's why he's getting the benefit of the doubt. I'm not trying to hate on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is that I don't know if he's naturally cool. Cool. I think he's awkward and nerdy, but he's going for it, and he's been accepted. Yeah. He. I don't know. What's your read on his stone? Oh, I was going to ask you, Theo. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with it not overstepping your boundaries. He's not trying too hard. He doesn't try too hard. Wait, the Nike chain isn't trying too hard? Was, they probably put it on him. It the, was chill. The boys, the boys probably put him on him. get it to that? But because, again, doesn't that, aren't they maybe putting it on him because they're like, oh, yeah, he's awkward and nerdy, so it's badass if he's wearing this no, Nike chain. No, what's nerdy about him? What's nerdy about Joe Burrow? He's just so plain. He's plain, but he's chill, he's comfortable, <sighs> he's cool. Like, the thing about Joe Burrow that, that wins over people is like, a, like think about like Baker Mayfield. You can tell a lot of times he's, he's kind of trying. Yeah, he's a phony. Like authenticity is one of the most important things, especially when it no comes doubt. to white folk trying to be down around <laughs> black folk. Like let's just say what it is. Authenticity uh, is one of the main things. Okay. And Joe Burrow, you can tell even with the chain around his neck, and they asked him like, "Is it real?" He's like, "Look, I make so much money to be having fake diamonds in my chain." He didn't try to like overstep it and do like he's comfortable in his own skin. It helps that he's winning and he's he's uh he's successful and he's not trying too hard. I guarantee you, in, in group chats with you know the boys on the offense, they're like, "Hey Joe, this is what you're wearing." Yeah. Sunday, like we're giving you this turtleneck, <laughs> and hey, you ever heard of any Cartier shades? And he's like, "No." And he's like, "All right, well, we'll so, get you a pair." But they're not doing that just to like like they're friends with him, they're boys with him, but to, but to clown him? Not a no, because no, he's because he's, he's pulling it off. But he's also he, I don't know, I feel like I'm kinda jealous. Not of his quarterback <laughs> ability, but like I want that too. I saw a caption on the, I want that too. I saw a caption on the picture of him walking in, it was like, I want to hate so bad, but I can't. Like And about, I feel that. Think about like remember the Mac Jones <laughs> I feel that. Remember Mac Jones walking during the NFL draft? Yeah, dork. That's a dorky nerdy guy. Facts. Joe Burrow, we've ne- like I can't think of one moment like after he won the the um Oh, yeah, just like in college when he won the national championship and he's chilling, smoking the cigar. Mm-hmm. That was cool. When Mac Jones tried it. That doesn't look it, awkward to you at all. He was cool. He was chilling. He was so Man. chilling, Ken. He was, what am I seeing? Like, what am I? What, what is processing think, in my I, brain? I think he's pale. I think you're seeing yeah, a plain he's pale. He's guy. That's what it is. You're you like, know what? He that might be. Dirty. He's so pale. He and he's got, pale. like, the, the under eye bags like I do. But I don't understand. And that's why I can't understand how he's gotten to this <laughs> level and maybe it's just me unwilling to, to come to the reality of the Joe Burrow situation. But that is why I specifically needed, Theo, your input. Yeah. Because you're a representative from Black Twitter. And I think I see the love that he gets from Black Twitter. He gets Twitter, so much love. A ton of it. it and that's where this question comes from. Is he cool, be, cool, or awkward, nerdy cool? It can't be understated that he won a national championship for LSU, which people— it, I mean, Black Twitter's already going to embrace you yeah. by winning a national championship at LSU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if he, if, let's just say Joe Burrow did that at Ohio State or Alabama. I think it wouldn't be as much love, but, mm. like, nobody rides harder for you than people in New Orleans who <laughs> feel like they're, you're one of them. <laughs> I mean, even when Drew Brees almost outed himself as a maybe racist guy, black folk from New Orleans, I have a lot of family from New Orleans. They're yeah, like, they Yo. were conflicted. They're like, that's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got to turn my back. Yeah, I like, love that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's like, oh, Black Lives Matter, he's not into that. But you know what? He's yeah. Drew Brees. But he's still he's Drew. guy. He got us a Super Bowl, man. So let like, me get this straight. So, so uh, it, New Orleans appears to be the epicenter of black Twitter and black acceptance. Is that what you're saying? When, when New Orleans rides with you, I mean, because they... <laughs> you're in great shape. You're in great shape because, like... <laughs> 
I know black <laughs> culture drives a lot of what the pop culture is. Uh-huh, in New Orleans, absolutely. New Orleans is some of the like those are the most like. I feel like New Orleans and Atlanta. If they're if they're both in your corner, you, like, that's you're it. Solid. You're solid. Man. You're in good standing. I think he does a good job with like self-deprecation. Like he laughs but at everything. I think that's and they where the awkward and nerdy comes from, though. Like I'm just wondering, and I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. Like awkward, nerdy, cool is is cool. I'm all for it. But there are different levels of cool. Is he naturally smooth? That's where like cool, cool comes from. You've got to be naturally smooth. And I don't know if he's naturally smooth. I just wonder if <laughs> if he's awkward, cool, but he's been accepted into that world. I like that. I think I, you're like right. that. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not trying to diminish him, but is Joe Burrow naturally cool, cool, or is he awkward, nerdy, cool? In what way is he being accepted here? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Because it's not just Cincinnati that's like, that's our guy. Right. That wouldn't be telling me anything. But like you said, it's black Twitter. It's New Orleans. Yeah. It's Atlanta. Like, they've adopted him. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, he has a lot of his Q rating right now on yes. black Twitter is through the roof. It's amazing. <laughs> it is truly amazing. Yeah. In fact, like, I don't know another white person right now that has the black Twitter Q rating yeah. that Joe Burrow has. It's tough. I mean, Travis Kelsey was hovering around there for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he was. I mean, he has a high approval rating as well. He's, <laughs> he's certified. <laughs> yeah. Q rating. He's up there. His Q rating is high. But Joe Burrow, <laughs> right now, in the time of him being dominant, both on the college realm and now in the NFL, and him just being cool and likable, he he's, he's through the roof. He's number one right now in the power ring. He's trending up, baby. Man, all right, all right. So this is this is legitimate. Like I, Joe Shiesty. Joe <laughs> Is Joe Burrow cool, cool, or is he awkward, nerdy, cool? And what white person right now has a higher Q rating uh, for black Twitter than Joe Burrow? Or are me and Ken just jealous? <laughs> I could be just could be jealous. Mixed. Which white person has a higher Q rating for black Twitter than Joe Burrow right now? Mm. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us. At KLV1063, that's at KLV1063. Also, our original topic, who had the bigger choke yesterday, the Chiefs or the 49ers? 888-760-3776. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. He's down with Joe Burrow. I'm Ken Lavica. I have questions. I'm live on ESPN1063. You are listening to Ken Lavica Live on ESPN1063. Here's Ken Lavica. Hey, a reason to not watch the Pro Bowl? Mac Jones got in. <laughs> what is happening in the end? He's an AFC quarterback. There's no way he should oh be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, when you're you're just digging bottom of the barrel stone on that. Uh, you're you're digging bottom of the barrel when you have so many quarterbacks oh that don't want to play that Mac Jones is going to line up under center at some point <laughs> in the Pro Bowl. I think it makes it even count worse that I uh, count me out as well. I think it makes it even worse that I didn't even know that. I saw yeah. you. I saw you quote tweet that, and well, I was eye rolled. But yeah. it's happening. No, it's there. It's there. He's he's in. He's uh, wow. He's in the Pro Bowl. And guess process? who's out of the Pro Bowl? This guy, me. <laughs> no, what, what was the criteria for Pro Bowl? Fandom, a pulse. Yeah, a pulse. Having a pulse <laughs> and playing quarterback in the NFL made him eligible to represent the AFC what in the Pro Bowl. Happening. Trendy. What he trended in what way? He trended down the the rest of the season. Like he had that one spike when they were winning, and it wasn't even because of him. And then he, I don't know, trendy as in everybody gives him the benefit of the doubt because he plays for Bill Belichick. Right, right, exactly. I'm out on the Pro Bowl. I cannot believe they let Mac Jones in his rookie year 
oh no, I'm out. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. nobody's watching. And again, like he, it's not like he got voted in, but he's in because so many guys injuries. in front of him passed yeah. injuries, yeah. and then who is still playing? What's worse, Mac Jones or Andrew Wiggins, Theo? What? Andrew Wiggins? Oh, because well, being Wiggins an All Star starter. Oh, getting into the All Star game. I got you. Wiggins as a starter is pretty. It's pretty, it's pretty abysmal. Weak. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's worse. Well, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I was already not a Pro Bowl guy, but I mean. Mac Jones, and that, that's going to live. He'll probably get a bonus out of that. He, he's going to get a bonus. Like when we go back and look at Mac Jones' look, career, we'll look at his stat. His he, yeah, his career stats, and there will be asterisk. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl rookie. It season. is rookie season. <laughs> oh I just want to bang this microphone into my head. Yeah. Who had the biggest choke yesterday? The Chiefs or the 49ers? By definition, they both choked. Yeah. I think the Bengals more responsible for coming back and grabbing that game. I think the 49ers more gave it away. Theo thinks the Chiefs, because of expectations and they their hubris, their arrogance, that was the biggest choke. What was the biggest choke yesterday? Chiefs or 49ers? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I do like the turnaround of that. Who was more responsible for their victory, the Bengals or the Rams? And I still think the Bengals. Bengals made the proper adjustments. The Bengals dominated the second half, whereas the Rams watched the 49ers just, like, stop doing what they were doing (laughs) successfully, and they got tight, and that allowed the Rams back into the game, and they edged their way to a win. Also, Joe Burrow, is he naturally cool, cool, or is he awkward, nerdy, cool? And what white person right now has a higher Q rating on black Twitter? Yeah. What white person has a higher Q rating on black Twitter than Joe Burrow? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Because, again, our black Twitter insider, Theo Dorsey, our representative here on Ken Levick Alive, says Joe Burrow right now, he's the highest rated white guy Number on one. black Twitter. Number it's one. amazing. It's an incredible achievement <laughs> on his part. Mike is in Wellington. Mike, you're on Ken Levick Alive. What's going on, Mike? Ken, the bigger choke was the Kansas City Chiefs, and it started when they threw up zero points going in, into halftime because the energy just got sucked out of them. So, and everybody, even me, I thought when the Kansas City Chiefs won the toss, you saw Mahomes mm-hmm. give his little, yeah, give me the ball, mm-hmm. put my Superman cape on, and Joe Burrow was cool, collected, that defense stepped up, and the Chiefs choked in Arrowhead, and I didn't have super high hopes for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers going into L.A. I mean, Devo Samuels carried that whole team through the playoffs. I so rules. 49ers just gave it away, but Arrowhead, that big choke, and, and, and Arrowhead was definitely the biggest choke let, out of both those games, Kevin. Let me ask you, Mike, what was more egregious to you, going for it on third down with two on the clock or the play call? Which one bothered you most? Because for me, it's the play call. I don't mind going for the end zone there. You're feeling good. And you know, you've listened to enough of this. I've defended coach after coach after coach for being aggressive this year. I had more of an issue with the play call than I did the actual act of going for it. I would have thrown it towards the end zone. I would have hit Kelsey. So you were okay. (laughs) But you were okay with going for it. Like a field goal. You think that would have kept the momentum where it was at, 24 to 10? Uh, that was so significant. Twenty-four to ten would have been greater than twenty-one to ten. Well, I feel that either three or seven points, no matter what it was, would have been better than getting zero. Of course, I just feel like you know when you have that type of 
momentum going and that type of hype and that type of expectation to come up with nothing. Sure. Because Patrick Mahomes came back in the second half a, a, a totally different quarterback. I didn't even recognize him anymore. And I, it, it was, they, they just choked. In the biggest game, they choked. And Joe Burrow, is he cool, cool? Is he, or is he awkward, uh, white guy cool? Oh, that's a cool cat, man. Joe Stud Burrow. <laughs> Man, what, I don't know what I'm saying, Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call. I don't know what I'm seeing. You're I, missing it again. Do you think it's just me hating? I'm trying not to hate. I like Joe Burrow. You're just trying to gain an understanding yeah, for it. That's what I, it I is. I think I. I'm going to put it this way. All right. Uh oh. I as, <laughs> I aspire to be that. I think. Yeah. Like I truly think I aspire to be that. A 24 year old cool guy. Yeah. Now, yeah. What What doesn't help <laughs> is I'm I'm 37. <laughs> I'm twitchy and neurotic. Like, I've already got the deck stacked against me. Yeah. But, damn it, I want what Joe Burrow has. Like, I know I'm not going to have the football ability or the money or any of that stuff, but I want the. I think I want the acceptance yeah. that he has. I, I don't know. No. But when, when I hear Theo say that he has the highest Q rating of any white guy on black Twitter, like, that's a significant achievement yeah. on Joe Burrow's part. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Biggest joke yesterday. Chiefs or 49ers and to speak to what Mike was talking about and his point about the Chiefs but then he started talking about the 49ers and hey it's Jimmy G Debo Samuel's been carrying them again you had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter Mm. playing 49ers football punchy in the mouth over and over and over and over again you've done it six straight games and you've beaten them that way and then you just stopped you just stopped the Rams didn't as much adjust to it as the 49ers completely went away from their identity. Completely went away from it. So you can put all the blame on Jimmy G that you want, but it's not like Kyle Shanahan isn't aware of the limitations of Jimmy G or Mike McDaniels isn't aware of the limitations of Jimmy G. They've won plenty with him. They went away from what works. And that's why I think, even though it's just a 10-point comeback and it was on the road, it's still, to me, the most damning choke between the two yesterday. 888-760-3776. Again, talking biggest choke yesterday. And Joe Burrow, cool, cool, or awkward, nerdy, cool? Joel in Jupiter. What's up, Joel? Um, um, yeah, I was going to go go ahead and say the uh, the Chiefs definitely had the bigger choke of the weekend. Uh, at home, up at half, uh, winning the coin toss. I mean, Super Bowl chant, you have Pat Mahomes on your team. I think that was a little bit more of a of a flop there on their behalf. And uh, what about Joe Burrow? Is he cool, cool, or awkward, nerdy, cool? Oh, yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow is cool, cool. That's Joe Shiesty, man. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a cool cat. He's Joe Shiesty, man. I have, <laughs> I have never been more in the minority in any opinion on this radio station than I am right now. There, I, I, I mean... It is me against the world. I think he's awkward, nerdy, cool. And again, I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. But everybody else thinks he's just suave and cool. And man, I guess I, I, guess I have a little bit more uh, investigating to do on this, more observations to, to take care of on this. It's hard to put your finger on, man, but when it, you got it, you got it. I, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think I've quite grasped. Like you just, when you have it, you have it. Yeah. You don't need to understand it. It's just there. <laughs> but the, the, the Chiefs, let's not, let's not act like they hadn't been showing signs of this. First in the regular season, and then even last week against the Bills. Yeah. I mean, the Bills did whatever they wanted to that Chiefs defense. So 
We said multiple times in the regular season, oh, the Chiefs, uh, the, the offense is coming around, but that defense is so vastly improved. That defense is so vastly improved. And then Josh Allen just diced it Man. over and over and over and over and over again. It just so happens that the Chiefs recaptured the magic from 2018-2019, um, uh, and uh, they were able to, to, to look like the previous versions of the Chiefs' offense. But once the Bengals figured it out yesterday, and the Chiefs' defensive issues that we saw the previous week, yeah. seven days before, started to come to a head again where the defensive line doesn't look all that stout and there's room in the secondary, the Bengals' comeback doesn't seem so stunning. It doesn't seem like such a vast choke job. So, yeah, there's this, this thought of the Chiefs, but then there's what the Chiefs actually are and what they've put on film, and I think those are two entirely different things. Yeah, and, and another thing the Chiefs have to start concerning themselves with is how do we reinvent ourselves? How do Like last year, what it was, it was obvious. Go get a better offensive line, and they mm-hmm. did that. And they did. Yeah. This year, it's what, what is it that you pinpoint? Do you try and strengthen up the defense? Do you overload and just get another weapon for Patrick Mahomes because eventually Hill and Kelsey are going to get a little older and not be as dominant? Like The Chiefs have some figuring out to do, but the main thing is, don't get so full of yourself. Like, play Chiefs football 60 minutes, and you win that so game. So the arrogance hurt them. The, the arrogance, arrogance them is sure. why it's the bigger choke yesterday, because the Chiefs got arrogant. Yeah, yeah, they got way too full of themselves. Andy Reid, I mean, they love getting cute. And when they win, it looks amazing, and we all laugh, and we say, ha, that's the Chiefs. But when they lose, it's like, hey, guys, like, tighten up, win the football game. Do that when you're up 30, not when you're up by one, you know, two scores. What about Alex Caruso? Alex Caruso, Where's his Q he's more nerdy. He, so he's the nerdy, cool guy. He's not the cool, cool guy. Hmm. Alex Crusoe's not cool. He's nerdy cool. That's, 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 where, that's the difference. Right so now. he doesn't jump over Joe Burrow, though, in terms not of black close. Twitter Q rating. Not even close? Not even close. <laughs> yeah. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. <laughs> I'm Ken Levicka. When we return, did ESPN do Tom Brady dirty? Over the weekend, we're live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Tom Brady retiring, or is he? Let's get into Brady here. Ken LaVica Live, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Ken LaVica Live presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Real quick, talking about the biggest choke before we, we switch gears here to Brady. Biggest choke yesterday, 49ers or Chiefs? Uh, Ricky... Uh, sends me a message. It's the Chiefs by a mile at home. Big favorites up 21-3. to You can't lose that. It shows you the moment you get timid and uh, playing safe, it almost never works. You can't protect a lead. You've got to make it bigger. And that's been the case for opponents against the Chiefs right. for the last four years. And then the Chiefs, I suppose, to an extent, fell victim to what teams we thought needed to do to beat them. Previously, right. if that makes sense, they did, and also the Chiefs have to know that their defense is they can be had. So you got to keep putting points up. Uh, Mark Sheffield tweets: It's the choking Chiefs. Mahomes seemed uncomfortable overthrowing targets, trying to make up for the mistake at the end of the first half. Didn't see many checkdowns. Seemed like he was trying to make it all back in one play. That's one thing: is is Mahomes? Uh, they the Bengals shut down Kelsey. They bracketed Kelsey. He was not out in the open, running free through the wilderness like he was against Buffalo over and over and over again. Uh, again, that's my point. That's why I think that the, the, the 49ers giving away the NFC Championship game is more egregious because the Bengals just flat out 
played their game and they adjusted and they did a good job. Whereas the 49ers just sort of stopped. That's what I can't get over is that the 49ers just stopped. Whereas the Bengals, like they 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 needed all second half to complete a comeback that they were responsible for. I don't know. But but again, I know it's the Chiefs. I know that they're the and you said before the show, you would still put money on them going oh, yeah. into next year to go to the Super Bowl, represent the AFC. Uh, but the fact that the Chiefs let that happen, I see where people are going with that. Yeah, context matters very much so in this sense. And I think for the Chiefs, it's like, dude, you got Mahomes, you got a lead, you're at home, you've been here before. That's another thing we haven't brought up. The Bengals haven't been here before, and you let that team beat you. Context matters, and, and, and that's what happened with the Chiefs. I think there is a bigger discussion, and we can get at it tomorrow, a bigger discussion about how we classify this Chiefs run of success. Like, how successful is it? Because I kind of have my doubts. They've won a lot of games, but what all do they have to show for it? And I think that that's, that's worthy of a discussion that we can get to tomorrow. I want to get to Tom Brady because Saturday, the world ended. I mean, it was, it was all Tom Brady all the time. We heard uh, in the afternoon on Saturday, uh, first reported by Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington of ESPN, that Tom Brady was retiring after 22 seasons. My first thought was, I'm not surprised. Right. I sat here on the show and said it was going to happen. Uh, all the signs pointed to what was going to happen. His body language, and I'm not huge into that, but his tone, the what things he said, the actual words after Tampa lost to L.A. last week, that suggested to me that that was, that was it. Mm-hmm. He's done. So I wasn't surprised when this came out. But then there was the additional reporting. Mike Silver of Bally's, longtime NFL reporter, saying that there has not been anywhere close to a decision made by Tom Brady. Bruce Arians saying, yeah, he hasn't said anything to us. Uh, Tom Brady reaching out, according to reports, to the Bucks front office and uh, telling the front office, you know, I, I haven't come up with anything definitive yet. So there's question marks all over the place. And you know what happens when, when uh, there's a report, especially from an Adam Schefter and especially from ESPN, and then it doesn't come to fruition immediately? It's time for the trolls to jump on oh, yeah. and kill Adam Schefter and kill ESPN. And, and, and there, there, are, there are people openly, and Adam Schefter's on ESPN right now. He's on SportsCenter right now talking about Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> but uh, they want Adam Schefter to fail. They want Adam Schefter to be wrong. They want ESPN to be wrong about Tom Brady retiring. They're basking in the fact that Tom Brady, after that story was broken, didn't immediately release a video and say, yep, I'm retired. That's it. Now, Jeff Darlington, who I know personally, and he's as good as they come, just like Adam Schefter, who's as good as they come, they're both reporting that Tom Brady is done. Yeah. Multiple sources. Jeff Darlington was on ESPN yesterday, on SportsCenter yesterday, and he's, he's standing by his story. From what I understand, that's never really been the way Tom has been. He didn't even want, he was pretty adamant all along, he didn't want some kind of farewell tour, the likes of which we saw with Ben Roethlisberger uh, the past several weeks of this season. That's just not his style, from what I'm told. He would prefer to kind of do it this way, to just sort of maybe catch people off guard a little bit, if you can do that at 44 years old. So ultimately, uh, I think that this decision at this point is one that kind of makes him happiest the way he likes to go about things. Yeah, he, he wanted to do it on his terms, and it's not happening that way, which is why he's pushing back on it. But Theo, you've been in journalism for quite some time. I've been in journalism for quite some time. Adam Schefter is as le- legit as they come. Jeff Darlington is legit as they come. 
You can doubt them all you want. Tom Brady is going to retire. He will not play another game. He will not play another snap. Schefter is right. Darlington is right. Tom Brady wants to go out on his own terms. He wanted to make his own announcement. Someone in his inner circle leaked it, but this story is as legit as it possibly can be. Just because it hasn't been made official, the story is ultimately going to be correct a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Tom Brady is going to retire, period. Right, and and if you look at the report, it said Tom Brady is going to retire. Yeah. It doesn't say he's retired. Yeah. It doesn't say he retiring he's today. going to retire. He's going to this retire. This offseason. That decision has been made yep. you know, already. And if it happens a month from now, you know what that's going to mean? Schefter and Darlington were right. Yeah. The story was right. <laughs> the reporting is good. You may not want it to be, and you may want to dunk all over Adam Schefter. Take your shots now. Yeah, get him out the way. Get him out the way now. Adam Schefter's not wrong. Jeff Darlington's not wrong. And then I'm seeing on social media, oh, the problem with me first journalism and be the first to report it journalism. This is the apex of the problem. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, no. Adam Schefter has a job. Jeff Darlington has a job. They're confident in their sources. They've been doing this for a very long time, and they did their, their job. They reported something that they have concrete evidence is going to take place, and it's, it's sound. It's sound, good journalism. Nothing that Adam Schefter did, nothing that Jeff Darlington did was wrong in any way, shape, or form over the weekend. It wasn't. They did what they had to do, and I'm sure it was met with some reluctance because Brady didn't want it to come out that way, and even I... Like, like but too said, bad. Well, when you saw that tweet, it was like, oh, yeah, duh. That Buccaneers roster is not comp- uh, competing for a Super Bowl <laughs> next year, and Tom Brady's not a free agent. Of course he's retiring. But also, when I saw the tweet, I was shocked because I was like, this is not how I expected the guy, the GOAT, the 22-year legend to go out. So yeah. it was a b- bit of both there. Yeah, it, it, but it, it, you're right. You're right. It, it was shocking how it came out, but exactly. not that it happened. It, what it comes down to is that it just didn't – someone leaked something yeah. in Tom Brady's inner circle. That's shocking to me because Tom Brady's inner circle is buttoned up. We didn't have any indication he was going to leave the Patriots before, right before he decided he was going to become a free agent. Yeah, We didn't have any indication he was going to sign with the Bucs until right before it was made official that he was signing with the Bucs. Someone leaked something or someone saw something. It leads me to believe that there's potentially some production value to what Tom Brady wanted to do. And, I mean, Tom Brady's own brand, his own business, his own company, with his right. name on it, tweeted a farewell to Tom Brady and then deleted it. And that shows you how tight his circle is. Like, even Julian Edelman. Like, uh-huh. everybody got, not yeah. duped, but But everybody... people that you would think maybe would be part of the conversation yeah. or at least gotten word of it, they had nothing. They had nothing. But Adam Schefter is very close friends with Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee. Jeff Darlington is as plugged in as anybody to Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. Has a semblance of a personal relationship with him. There's a reason that Jeff Darlington does all the sit-down interviews with Tom Brady. Right. It's like Windhorse to LeBron right there. Yeah. Those two are reporting something Tom Brady-related. Then Tom Brady's going to retire. It's happening. It's going to happen sometime this offseason. They're going to be correct. Oh, but Tom Brady deserves to do it under his own volition. He deserves to do it his way. He does. You're right. But it doesn't mean that Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington should just sit on it. They felt confident enough to go with it. They're professionals. They get paid to do a job. And they had the biggest story of the NFL offseason just days after Tom Brady played his final game. Yeah. You go with it. You got to. Come on. 
Tom Brady can still do all the same things. doesn't matter if there's a surprise. Tom Brady, of all people, while he might be irritated at how things are going down, I would hope he gets it. Yeah. But Jeff Darlington and Adam Schefter did absolutely zero wrong. In fact, they did everything by the book. They did everything textbook. They did everything perfectly. And that's why they're standing by their story, and that's why it's going to be right. And if it happens tomorrow or if it happens three months from now, guess what? It's still going to be right. Yeah, they ten toes down. That's what I love the most about it is they're ten toes down. There's no like apology tweet or anything like that. They're like, look, this is what we this is what we learned. Mm-hmm. This is what we reported, and it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. Brady's done. Yeah. So I mean, you can take all the shots at Schefter that you want. You can take all the shots at Darlington that you want, but the reporting's good. Yeah. I've lived in that world. You still live in that world. Yeah. What they did was textbook, textbook. If it was some other, you know, some other whoever. You know, some podcaster trying to get some pub. Right. You ignore it. But this is as real as it gets. Tom Brady's going to retire. They did nothing wrong. Did ESPN do Tom Brady dirty, leaking this before Brady could announce his own retirement? I mean, I think that's absurd. But that was a common social media talking point over the weekend. Did ESPN do Tom Brady dirty over the weekend? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's go to Loxahatchee. That's where Chris is. Chris, you're on Kendallvik Alive. Hey, guys. Um, just real quick, I don't know if you guys had heard, but they mentioned something earlier um, when all of this was being discussed this morning on the radio that uh, that if he waits, I don't know, there's a specific date that if he... February fourth, uh, but February, he al- he's already it, it, earned that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's already he's already earned that bonus though, that fifteen million dollar bonus. Now, here's okay. what happens: if he steps away and retires, he owes the Bucks sixteen million dollars from his deal. But you know what that means? He's basically giving them a million dollars. That's a net right, one million dollars yeah. he gives back. So that's why that's not necessarily accurate. Why he would hang on till February fourth? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I just, I didn't know if you guys, because yeah. I didn't hear you guys mention that. Yeah, yeah, and there was, there was a lot of reputable media that was reporting that, but that's, that's, uh, th- that's what's actually taking place. He's already earned that $15 million bonus, so he has no reason to hang on for that. That's already, already in his uh, direct deposit. That's already hit at, uh, <laughs> at this point. Chris, appreciate you. Um, you know who the, the biggest Evan Cohen, or, well, I blew that. The biggest Tom Brady guy is. <laughs> I don't know. Who is it? Evan Cohen. Whoa. That's no, called that came out of Theater of the Mind. Yeah. Uh, had a chance to uh, catch up with Evan, uh, who you hear, by the way, 11.55 and 5.55 every day here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, Evan uh, had a farewell video that he made for Tom Brady. When we all thought that Saturday was D-Day or our day, retirement day for Tom Brady, Listen to this from Evan on Twitter at Evco Radio. Ridiculous. <laughs> so pathetic. This guy is shameless, man. Yeah. He's just looking into the camera sad. Right, right. I thought he would say a word. No. No word. And he's going back to like the 80s. Is this 80s or 90s? I didn't even hear this song until Evan tweeted it. Really? Before. I've never heard this song. Who is it? We'll get back to you on that.
All right, so we heard Evan Cohen, his farewell to Brady on Twitter, at Evco Radio. Uh, but now we don't know what's happening with Tom Brady, so we welcome the man in himself. Uh, Evan, as we sit here on Monday afternoon, do you still think Tom Brady's walking away? I do, Ken, because of this main reason. Who? The who behind who reported it is really important yeah. in my mind. Yep. You have two guys. Like, if you would have said to me, as a Tom Brady-obsessed person like I am, who would be the people to break the Tom Brady story if it's not Tom Brady himself or it's not someone employed by him, i.e. Jim Gray, uh, Gotham Chopra, who's the filmmaker who he works with on his, you know, in his documentary, um, or Alex Guerrero, his trainer. So, you know, if it's not somebody employed by Brady... Who would break the Brady news? I would say Adam Schefter or your old buddy who you covered the Dolphins with for many years, Jeff Darlington, exactly. because those are the two reporters on his inner circle. Or the outside chance would be, well, it could be Jay Glazer because Jay Glazer reports everything sure. for Boston. He's, he's that good, right? So I just think what happened here, it seems like those two guys got a really good information and had that scenario that is really tough. I'll use you as an example. Not that people care about this, but you probably know so much more information about Florida, Florida Atlantic University basketball and football than you say. Because every day, you prob- as the voice of the Owls, you probably sit there and say, what, if, what am I doing here? Should I break this story and potentially hurt a relationship or just say, you know what, relationships are for life, stories are for today. And these two guys had the biggest scoop in the world of Brady retiring, and they're like, you know what, even if it hurts a relationship, this is our job. That is, If I had to bet, that's what I think happened. Yeah, that is so important, too, because I've seen a lot on social media, basically people dancing on Adam Schefter's journalism grave, especially, and... Listen, fine, people feel some way about Adam Schefter, but he's not sloppy, and he's broken more stories than anybody in the history of the football reporting medium. He's not just willy-nilly tossing this out there, and there's this thought that, oh, well, Tom Brady should be afforded the respect that he can make the announcement on his own, but everybody has a job to do, and I would hope that Tom Brady would expect that he's the biggest face, the biggest sports face on the planet, certainly in this country, these things can happen, and everybody has a job to do. I, I don't understand the hate being thrown Schefter and Darlington's way, other than they just don't like those guys. Well, I, I agree with you, but I also think Brady has a right to be annoyed oh, yeah, if for the sure. story was taken out of his hands. But also gets but it. The, right, well, the annoyance has to be how. Did he talk to Darlington and Schefter and tell them this, and then they went with it? Well, then he has a reason to directly be mad at him. Yeah. Those two guys, excuse me. If somebody in his inner circle broke that, well, then somebody is not in his inner circle anymore. Then they're out, right? Like, because you betray trust. And Tom Brady is a really loyal, trustworthy guy that I think that this is probably what, I mean, the way we just depicted it is probably what happened. Now, I will say this. I think it is absurd and, and really shows a lack of understanding as to who this guy is and for 22 years in the league. That anyone thinks this is now going to be motivation. Oh, he's going to come back because somebody broke his story out of him. No, no, that's not what's going to happen at all in any way, shape, or form. He's going to do it based on his terms. I, I will throw out one other thing, Ken. Yeah. So I obsessively um, watch his TV show, uh-huh. The Man in Arena, on, on ESPN Plus. 
And I watch it every single Tuesday when it comes out. Well, two or three Tuesdays ago, the 10th episode I thought was coming out. And it didn't come out. Mm -hmm. And it still hasn't come out. So if I had to bet as to how it's going to be released, my bet would be through that television show. Yeah, that's the retirement announcement right there. For sure. I think that that's, I mean, that's, that's, I don't even think that's conspiracy theory. I think that makes sense as to why it would have been delayed. And, and, and by the way, people are speculating, could it be tonight on his radio show on Sirius XM? Well, remember to about his radio show, he's on with Jim Gray for a half hour, and there's like one or two breaks in between. He doesn't have enough real estate to tell the story like he would a man in the arena for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, wasn't there a report? Isn't there a report he's out of the country right now, too? Well, I, I don't want to be one of these guys out of dinner circle that breaks trust. I have no idea. How the hell would I know? As much as I would love, as much as I would love to, to follow his every move, you think I know I, where Tom Brady is? If I knew where Tom Brady was, trust me, I'd be I'd be on the plane trying to get there myself. Well, the, the only reason I say that is because I feel like there's a chance they may have recorded it, and even though they're playing it at a special seven o'clock time, doesn't mean that this is actually happening in real time. And I'm disappointed you don't know about the whereabouts of Tom Brady right now. That's a bad. No, that's a fair knock. That's a fair knock. Can I really say, it's a good question, am I really obsessed with Brady if I don't know where he is right now during one of the most important moments of his life between 12 and 2 on Kenneth Goliath? Which really is, I mean, he's probably streaming the show on the ESPN uh -huh. app right now, I, I, wherever he is. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Now, I, this is he's like, yeah, I really want to hear more from Friday Night Lights. He's really good on the air. <laughs> I've heard good things about that kid. Uh, real quick, this is important. Joe Burrow, is he cool, cool, or awkward, nerdy, cool? Uh, it's a good question. I don't think he's naturally cool like McConaughey. Okay. McConaughey wakes up in the morning, yeah. throws jeans and a T-shirt on, yeah. hasn't showered in a month, <laughs> was in some sort of, like, crazy African, like, climb that he was in, <laughs> smells like ass, uh, and you're like, holy crap, I wish I could be that. Yeah, I know. Somehow, right? somehow. But I don't think he's, uh, what would be a good example of the other way? I don't think he's wearing a pink suit to a press now. Oh, let's not do that. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's so over the top. Every part of his outfit is like really, really planned. The way that uh, like he has, you know, like Kanye stylist, this that kind of thing. I think he's somewhere in between. Yeah, he's not naturally cool like a McConaughey, like where he wakes up in the morning or MJ. And you're just like, MJ's wearing weird clothing and he's still cool, but he's somewhere in between there. Yeah, I, I don't think, see, he's not smooth, and but I think that he takes chances and he likes the idea that he thinks he's cool. And so he goes for it with the Nike chain and people just say, oh man, uh, he's kind of a nerd, but hey, he goes for it. I appreciate that. And that's what makes him cool. That's what makes him nerdy, awkward, cool. It would be unremarkable uh, if he didn't look and sort of his mannerisms weren't the way that he was. All right, so let's do a Super Bowl Fifty Six edition under your under your premise here uh -huh. of awkward, cool, or, or is it naturally cool, or how do you want to yeah, say? Yeah, naturally it? cool, and then nerdy, awkward, cool. Okay, ready? I'll give you the person you answer the question. Okay, Sean McVay. Uh, he's cool, and it's largely because he's just hot. 
but you didn't answer the. You literally came up with the bit and you didn't follow the bit. Your own bit. This is Ken Levick in a nutshell. You just came up <laughs> with the two ter- determinations of the coolness: nerdy, awkward, cool. Or like no, naturally cool, but, and you literally answered something different than those no, two. Listen, because here's here I I should have just gone with my instinct because you look at him and you're like that guy's cool because he looks. I mean he's. So he, what are the categories? How am I going to yeah. ask you these questions if you don't have a category? It's cool. Cool means like first glance you're like yeah that guy's cool because he's got great hair. Like Joe Burrow kind of looks like I don't know me. Uh, but then he pulls off things I could Joe never pull Bell off. looks nothing like you. In no way, shape, or form. There's no part of Joe Burrow that looks like you and no part of you that looks like Joe Burrow. He's got a little of the eye bags like I do. Like, that's the only no, thing. No, here's where you guys are similar. You both have mouths, nose, ears, <laughs> eyes, arms, and legs. Uh, all right, let's try it again. Right. There's no other part of you that would be similar. In one world, did you just compare yourself <laughs> to Joe Burrow? I don't know. He's like homely looking. He, I'm sorry. Uh, he is. Fine. Sean McVay's cool. He may be homely, but you're homeless looking. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? Oh, I cannot argue with that. Give me two more in Super Bowl 56 edition of cool or awkward nerdy cool. Okay. So it's cool, cool, or awkward yeah. nerd, nerdy cool. Yeah. All right. Odell Beckham Jr. Cool, cool. Okay. Um, let's do hmm, Aaron Donald's. Cool, cool. And I certainly wouldn't say otherwise, especially to his face. He's terrifying. Von Miller. Cool, cool. He can pull off any outfit. Okay. Jamar Chase. Uh, cool, cool. Former Dolphins assistant, Zach Taylor. Oh, uh, I don't even think he's awkward, nerdy, cool. He's just sort of a dork. Hmm, okay. Icky Woods. <laughs> now that's cool, cool. Joe Burrow doing the Icky Shuffle before his postgame interview was cool, cool as well. I'll give him credit for that. Hmm. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. Good. The Super Bowl edition good. of Cool, Cool or Awkward Cool. All right, good. That was uh, that was great content. Uh, you can expect that to just die into the ether uh, at some point. Uh, Evan, thank you, and uh, I'm sure we'll check in as more Tom Brady Gate happens. Wait, I just went to KLV1063 on Twitter. Is that you or, or Joe Burrow? I can't tell in the profile picture. Who's that? You guys look so much alike. He's like, oh, my God, you guys are twins. Uh, wow. I'm going to put a side-by-side out at KLV1063 and see if people think there's a resemblance. Bye. Bye. So is there a resemblance, Theo? I, I, I don't. Y'all are both white. <laughs> and that's where it ends? <laughs> y'all are both white. I mean, I don't know if there's – you have a beard. He's – like plain face, I, I don't see the resemblance, but you guys are two white guys. So Friday Night Lights, where you stand on this? I think you're about seven inches off. But other than that, a little bit. You're talking about like, oh, he's taller. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about the Rams, but also uh, waste the time of George Sedano with that <laughs> very question when we return. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel Five, WFLX Fox Twenty Nine. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Someday we need to dedicate an hour to the nonsense that Stone Labanowitz was <laughs> dropping on us during the break. Ken LaVica Live here on ESPN 106.3 presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. 
It is Monday edition. Ken Levick alive. That means Theo Dorsey hanging out with us. WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Uh, I figured since the Rams are in the Super Bowl, needed to reach out to a good friend of ours here at ESPN 106.3. He was here in South Florida. Now he is uh, a transplant to Southern California. You hear him, Sedano and Cap, uh, every afternoon, 710 ESPN out in L.A. It is George Sedano with us here on Ken Levick Alive. Georgie, how are you, sir? I'm good. Good to hear your voice, and it's uh, a pleasure and an honor. Uh, my first appearance on Ken Levick Alive you're after maiden, all these years. Yeah, your maiden voyage. Uh, so I, uh, I, I do have to have you settle a couple of things first before we dig in here on the Rams that we've been talking about. Sure. Choke job-wise, when you're talking about the 49ers or the Chiefs yesterday, I know the Chiefs was 21-3. to I know they had a terrible play call at the end of the first half, but... The way the 49ers just abandoned their identity and Sean McVay's awful, awful coaching and game management yesterday, the 49ers felt a little bit more demonstrative of a choke to me compared to, to what the, the Chiefs did to the Bengals. Oh, see, I, I would disagree uh, because if you look at, and granted, we have a much larger sample size to work with with the Niners and Rams, um, but their last several games have been really close. Yeah. Like, um, and, and look, the Niners, uh, yes, they've had their number, and I believe that in football particularly that's uh, a factor. But, I mean, look, did the Niners go away from their identity or did Tart just drop a pick, right, yeah. that would have sealed the game? So I don't know if that's a choke job. I mean, the guy plays defense for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, he's not out there trying to catch the ball all the time. Uh, granted, you should still catch that one because it was like a pop fly. But, yeah, I, I still think what the Chiefs did because of how how just completely contrasting the halves were for Patrick Mahomes to me is a much bigger deal. Plus, Andy Reid really just kind of admitting that that last play call in the end of the first half was a complete disaster and failure. So I, I look at the Chiefs as a much bigger collapse, uh, certainly, than what the Niners did. I, I guess I can't get over Sean McVay yesterday. What what was he doing? I mean, he got called out by Troy Aikman in the game saying he's just reaching. The challenges were bad. You didn't have any timeouts left with like ten and a half to go. And, yeah, he moves past that. But he's openly apologizing to Matt Stafford for a bad third down play call in a key moment in the fourth quarter. What was going on with him yesterday? You know, look, to equate it to someone in South Florida, Sean McVay is a lot like Eric Spolstra, in my opinion. Where really? He, you know, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, I think that I actually have told both of them they should get to know each other because I, you know, I've been around both of them now for a long time. Um, and, and I feel like they are kindred spirits in a lot of ways. And I mean that with the greatness and also occasionally the flaws, right? Like, I think that Sean, much like Eric, uh, sometimes uh, trusts or wants to, like, make his players feel like their, like their relationship is solid, right? Like, I trust you. You're telling me to challenge this? Yeah. I'll challenge it, right? Um, and Spo does that. And Spo doesn't use his challenges all that often, but sometimes I've felt like Spo has used his challenges because he wants his player to feel good about it, right? And now, granted, you shouldn't do that to lose all your timeouts, so <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think that that's part of it. And I think the other part of the equation with those two, which is very similar, they almost believe in their players to a fault. I mean, their talent, right? Where he feels like if... if if we don't get this to go our way, if, if the worst-case scenario happens and we lose our timeout, I still trust our group to be able to overcome whatever challenges are in front of us because we're that talented, we're that good. Um, and I think that both Eric and Sean have that kind of mentality. 
George Sedano with us here again, 710 ESPN out in L.A. You see him uh, on the NBA and ESPN sideline in studio. College football play-by-play joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. Now, uh, we also had a discussion about Joe Burrow. We'll get back to the Rams in a second here. But I maintain that Joe Burrow is a little like awkward, nerdy cool as opposed to Cool, cool. But, Theo, what did you tell me about Joe Burrow's Q rating on black Twitter? Right now, Joe Burrow has the highest Q rating, and it's, it's really not even close on black Twitter for any white guy. Yeah, and, and so Theo's, cool. Theo's very <laughs> high on him. Very, very, like, naturally cool. Where do you stand on this? Is Joe Burrow naturally cool, cool, or awkward, nerdy cool? Uh, I think he has, he has crossed over, uh, to Theo's point. I think that he is now, he is now cool, cool. I mean, listen... I, I was nuts on Around the Horn. I got muted by Tony Reale once when I thought I compared him to a, a young Joe Montana. And now we're starting to look at him, and, yeah, he's kind of like Joe Cool, right? Like, I think that his game is very similar. Um, I think his personality is very similar. And, yeah, after yesterday when he talked about his ice and it being real because he can afford it, I mean, come on, man. Like, you got to <laughs> – can give that guy some love for He's sure. Fully made the leap. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I'm sensitive to this because being down here in South Florida for lo- uh, for so long, and you're obviously from here. But Dolphins fans get killed all the time when a different fan base comes in and, and invades Hard Rock Stadium. There were a ton of 49ers fans at SoFi Stadium yesterday. We had a feeling it was going to happen. How do LA fans react to that? Especially some of the making fun of they're going to get from the outside. Uh, yeah, I don't think they love it, but I, I think that, again, it, it's all about the perspective and context, right? Yeah. There wasn't NFL football here for 22 years. <laughs> so what you have is already a city that's made up, much like Miami. It's very similar except way bigger um, and much better weather. Um, but <laughs> the it, it's similar in the sense of you've got this fans or people, right, who are sports fans or just in general, right, who are natives, right? They grew up, they're Angelinos or they're... Uh, Miamians or whatever, and then you have a ton of tourist players, right? So it's probably like close to 50-50 or at least, you know, 60-40 in that range, and you have these situations. But couple that with the fact that the Niners were good when Rams left town yeah. <laughs> and yeah. when the Raiders left town, okay? Like, Steve Young was really good yeah. <laughs> still at that time. They infiltrated. So you have a lot of Niner fans, kids at that age, were like, hey, I want to be with the cool thing, right? The cool thing was mm-hmm. the Niners. Um, the Rams were not that cool. Like, they were okay. Um, and the Raiders still have a ton of fans here because they're the only team to actually win a Super Bowl, uh, we'll see in a couple weeks, uh, for the city of Los Angeles. So I, I think that the Rams, you know, they've had an uphill battle to begin with. Not like, I mean, look, the Chargers, I mean, they're not – the, the hill, they got like a, a mountain. Like, they got Mount Everest to climb. They're a different breed. But at least the Rams have a history here, right? They were the first professional team, actually, in Los Angeles, 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, the Los Angeles Rams. But then they went to Anaheim. And then there's also this thing here, very similar to South Florida, where it's like Dade County versus Broward County, right? right, right. Where it's like, where it's like, where, and, uh, you know, Orange County is not LA. You know what I mean? So there's. There's a lot of things that play there that I could talk to you about for hours, uh, but that that particular group, the, the, the Bay Area fans, do a really good job of getting down here, um, particularly for football games, but even even basketball games occasionally, like Clipper fans, I mean, they, they, they take over the Clipper games. Lakers, not so much because the Lakers have a legitimate brand, and obviously they're like, they're like the, the one team here or, or maybe the Dodgers, like 1A. 
where you don't get like overwhelmed um, as far as in the stand. But the Bay Area fans always show up here in Southern California because there's plenty of them that are native to Los Angeles who are just fans of the Bay Area teams, and then it's just an easy commute from up there to down here. I, I got a question, too, because over the past two weekends, and you're on the ground there in L.A., so maybe you can give me some insight on this. I'm not sure if the Rams want to win these football games. Like, they have the talent to do it. They mortgage the future. But what's going on out there where they almost let Brady extend his career one more game, and it seemed like they didn't really want to play when the 49ers showed up to town? Well, I mean, let's take those two things separately, right? Like, the, the, what happened to them in the game against the Bucks was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I don't even know how much of that is self-inflicted because I look at it as, like, turnovers particularly, like fumbles. Man, that's so random, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the ball can pop out in so many different ways. It's an oblong-shaped ball. You know, like, it, it, you know, so it, it's just going to take funny bounces to begin with. And then... You know, there was a weird snap, right, like where Stafford hadn't, hadn't hiked oh, the yeah. ball yet, and all of a sudden the, the center snapped the ball and zipped it past his head. Like, there's a lot of things that happened there that just were terrible luck. Um, with the Niners, some, most of that, I would say, was self-inflicted, right? Like, Stafford threw a bad pass in the end zone on the first drive that got picked off. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that they did wrong. But here's what I would say about the Rams is that if you look at it, and you can go back to the regular season, even when they lost three in a row, three in a row and everybody was down on them, you know, I was sitting there saying, there's a path here, because there's a lot of talent, to your point, on this team. They're so talented, they can overcome a lot of stuff. And that's what they've shown in a lot of these games, is how resilient they are. Go back to the game against Baltimore. I mean, they had to throw a couple of passes on, on fourth down just to get in position just to score. Odell Beckham Jr. had the two biggest plays of arguably of this season in that game with a big fourth down catch and then a catch in the end zone subsequently after that. They've been teetering consistently. Like the first half of the season, they blew teams out. Then they lost three in a row. And since that point on, they've been the team that has been really resilient and come from behind a lot. So um, they've shown that they're capable uh, of winning in a lot of different ways. But I actually feel more emboldened about them and my pick for them to win the championship at the beginning of the season because they're not front runners. They're not just a team that can win from ahead. They're a team that can come from behind, and we've seen a lot of that over the last seven, eight, nine weeks. Uh, one more here for uh, for George Sedano, our buddy out in L.A. Again, 710 ESPN. You see him all over ESPN's NBA coverage. Uh, our, our good Carmel Brands family, George and Cleveland, uh, they are hating, hating, hating the fact that Odell Beckham is uh, is going to the Super Bowl. I sort of find it delectable. I think it's hilarious. Uh, just, just how significant – has Odell Beckham been to the Rams since he arrived? Oh, man, he's been huge. I mean, he first got here as a luxury, right, because you had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, both were incredible wide receivers. And then Robert Woods, he's out for the season. He's no longer a luxury. Like, you need him to get involved and be a big part of what you're doing. Um, and let's not forget, they missed Tyler Higby for a number of weeks in the season due to COVID. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, they lost him yesterday, and, you know, we'll see if he's available for the, for the Super Bowl. But like, he became a big part of what they were doing. Little by little, week by week, he became more and more and more involved. And, again, that's a testament to McVay and Stafford and this offensive staff and, and just the team in general. During that three-game losing streak, they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. They brought in Vaughn Miller. And a lot of people were like, oh, they're, they're grasping at straws. These guys are done. They're toast. And look at the type of impact both guys have made yeah. uh, down the stretch. And it's fascinating to see a team in the NFL take like an NBA or a Major League Baseball approach of we're going all in 
Um, because we generally don't see that with a ton of success. Now, I guess the Bucks, to some extent, did that last year, going after Brady. But like, you don't see that very often with, with a lot of success. So the Rams, that is certainly their mantra. Like, we'll worry about 2025 when 2025 comes. But to your point, Odell's playing with a, a quarterback who consistently, even though playing for the worst team in football uh, in the Lions, has been a top 10 quarterback, and now, you know, you can make the case he's probably better because his talent has, has told, you for ye- told you for years that he's better. He just has had a crappy team around him, right, and a crappy organization. Right. But you look at the Browns, the Browns have a great team around Baker Mayfield, and what we've learned is that when the team has had more success, it's been in spite of Baker Mayfield, where he's been more of a game manager as opposed to being the guy who's trying to force things down the field and particularly force it to Odell yeah. uh, maybe a little too much. So I think that Odell's dad probably deserves uh, a lot more credit than what he received at the time when he put out that video because he was getting crushed. But he was right in the end. Totally, he absolutely totally vindicated. And Father's Day should be very, very oh, fruitful yeah. for him. Father of the uh, year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George, awesome stuff. Appreciate you. Thanks for making the time. Have a good show today, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks right. again, George Sedano, seven ten ESPN, and again, see him all over. The NBA coverage on ESPN, on your sideline, in your studio. Uh, South Florida guy, we love having him here on ESPN 106.3. Hey, PBKC, uh, you've got that coming up, Theo. Palm Beach Kennel Club, I know Theo was out there on Sunday for the PBKC Card Show. What's going on next? There's always some good things going on out there. And coming up, they have comedy nights, which continue Friday, February 4th, live in the paddock at PBKC with Jackie and Kevin Flynn's Brothers from Another Mother Tour. Go to pbkennelclub.com to get your tickets today. And remember, PBKC is your entertainment destination with poker, table games. Uh, we got off-track betting, paddock dining, and exciting events like Flynn Brothers Friday, February 4th. Get your tickets today at pbkennelclub.com. And because we're for the people, we're giving away a pair of tickets right Whoa. now. A pair of tickets That's to big. Jackie Flynn and Kevin Flynn. That's right. Friday, February 4th. So this Friday, 8 p.m. at the paddock, Palm Beach Kennel Club, Jackie Flynn Kevin Flynn, Jackie, a comics comic, refreshingly unique brand of sarcastic observational humor. Puts him in a class all his own. Kevin is a writer, actor, producer, comedian. He's done it all. As an actor, Kevin Flynn, he's appeared in a number of movies like The Heartbreak Kid with Ben Stiller and one of the most popular boyfriends in the hit series Sex in the City. How about that? We're talking acumen here, oh, that's Theo. Big, that's big. Jackie Flynn, Kevin Flynn, they're performing Friday at PBKC in the paddock room, giving you a chance to win Two tickets right now, a pair of tickets to see Jackie Flynn and Kevin Flynn. 888-760-3776. Caller number three, 888-760-3776. Pair of tickets, Jackie Flynn, Kevin Flynn Friday at PBKC, or you can purchase tickets, pbkennelclub.com. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. George Sedano comparing Sean McVay to Eric Spolstra. I was a little leery of that at first, but I get it. Like, I get it. You, you, you let some decisions be put in your players' hands, even if you're not 100% behind it, just so the players know that they have a say. I get it. Yeah. I get it. And I couldn't I mean, see Spolstra drafting from like a billionaire home, though, like Sean McVay did. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're different. right. You're right. Just rent out a home uh, yeah. <laughs> on Star Island and yeah. uh, handle the NBA draft from there. But I, I'm down on Sean McVay because he was dreadful yesterday. But 
That said, I mean, this is a guy that's going to his second Super Bowl in four years. So yeah. how much how much can I actually question that? You know, and he was directly responsible for going to get Matt Stafford, and that made a massive difference. So I'm probably my my doubts on Sean McVay probably a little more fleeting long term. I mean, Sean McVay, I get I get the comparison now that Sedano explained it with uh, with Eric Spolster. Ken Levick alive with Theo Dorsey, and we are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu/slash/mba/sport. Hey, Greenway, Kia, West Palm Beach. It's where I got my Kia K5GT. It's where you're going to have just a lovely car buying experience. And by lovely, I mean that it's going to uh, it, it's going to be stress-free. It's, uh, it, it's going to be helpful. It's going to be uplifting because you don't have to go in worried about bad credit. Listen, I, I have had bad credit for a long time, finally pulling myself out of it. But that makes a lot of things difficult. And car buying's one of them. And there are a lot of people who think that because their credit's bad, they just can't get themselves a new car. That's not the case. And Greenway Kia West Palm Beach is the proof of that. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach is where you have a credit clinic on site. They are trying to make sure that you are going to find a, a, a monthly payment plan that's going to work for you so you can enjoy your new car so that you're not up at night wondering how you're going to pay for your beautiful Kia. The selection is unmatched at Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Convenient to get to Military Trail, half mile south of Palm Beach International Airport in West Palm Beach. It's Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. I really appreciate them. You're going to as well. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. That's GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com. It's a pre-Super Bowl edition. What we do every single Monday, the most petty man in radio. It's time for Theo Dorsey's Temple of Troll. Congregation, it's time to hear the good word. He prays for your sports pain. Rocio then rejoices and preaches pettiness. Theo Dorsey is in his bully pulpit in the Temple of Troll. Theo, who is the target, my friend? This is the easiest one I've had all year, and I could not wait to pull it out because this guy stinks. This guy stinks, and he's at home just sour apples, pissed off because he has to watch a Super Bowl in L.A. where there's one quarterback from Ohio that was the number one overall pick and drove his team to greatness from the AFC North, and then there's one receiver who recently played with him on the other side mm-hmm. for the L.A. Rams. Mm-hmm. One of those two guys has to win a Super Bowl in two weeks, and you know who's at home on his couch right now just pissed off, crying tears of sadness? Baker! Baker Mayfield, yep. the dancing machine, <laughs> the guy who tries so hard to be cool, who stinks at quarterback, <laughs> and now he knows he's in a division with a guy who's going to win a, a, a championship, or the guy who had to get his own father to tweet him out of the locker room, tweet him off the team. One of those two guys is winning a Super Bowl, and either one of them needs to give a big shout-out to good old Baker Mayfield, who's on his couch where he belongs. Tweeting his feelings, by the way. I, I looked after the game last night had to, to see if Baker pulled a replay of what he did last week where, look at me, I'm so sad, feel bad for me, yeah. family and friends only, tight circle, but he didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, he abstained from it. Somebody took his phone. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. which makes me mad. I should have. I wish I had this number. I would have Facetime. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Bro, how you feeling? <laughs> Baker Mayfield taking it here on Temple of Troll. Uh, well done, Theo. We'll be back tomorrow, and we have to. We have to. We have to get to the Dolphins coaching situation because guess who interviewed for an NFL job for the first time this offseason? Good old Jim. Good old Jim. Jim Harbaugh. 
with the Vikings. But you know what that means. I think that that opens the door to Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Dolphins. Mm. I just have a feeling deep in my football loins that this might be happening. And I will say, if it doesn't happen now that Harbaugh has taken the initiative to take an NFL interview, yeah, that means the door's open. You're no longer stealing him from Michigan if you're Stephen Ross. Said he didn't want to do it. You fail if you don't get Jim Harbaugh now. That's a Dolphins failure. Bigger than not getting Brian Dable, which I don't know if it's a massive failure, but if you're finalists are Kellen Moore and uh, Mike McDaniel. <laughs> you got to talk to Jim Harbaugh, right? You got you to. You have to talk to Jim Harbaugh. And they better not hire Kellen Moore. Especially, and this is from Barry Jackson, Miami Herald. This is what he tweeted yesterday. So in a move that could be defended either way, Miami ultimately traded the third pick last year, the 15th pick this year for the pick that became Jalen Waddell, the 29th pick, and pick at the end of the third round this year and the 49ers' first rounder in 2023. So... Like now we've seen the 49ers season come to an end and that deal with the 49ers yeah. came to fruition. You traded the third pick last year, 15th pick this year, for Waddle, 29th pick, pick of the end of the third run this year, and the 49ers first rounder in 2023. Are you going to maximize that? Is it going to be kind? History going to be kind to you? Mm. Well, I think Jim Harbaugh gives you the best chance to maximize that. We're going to see. Yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Theo's going to be back tomorrow. Thanks to Stone Banowitz Friday Night Lights. Thanks to Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, and George Shadano, Evan Cohen. I'm Ken Levicka. We've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye.